0: good afternoon and welcome to another virtual legality i'm your host richard Hogue of the hoag law business law firm of northville michigan and today we're going to do a bit of a follow-up to a video we did at the end of last week about bungie and their destiny universe finally separating from activision since that time activision has seen itself the subject of a fair number of articles from both the video games media and the media at large And I think the way that those stories have been presented is a little bit reductive. They're not unfair necessarily, but there's a lot of legal complexity. There's a lot of corporate finance complexity and just a lot of things to consider about the Activision situation. And I think I can help inform folks of that just a little bit. And so I want to take the time to do that in this video. Uh, So without further ado, let's talk about the main thing that popped into my social media feeds yesterday and that is that activision blizzard's new cfo is getting awards worth 15 million dollars for taking the job Uh, and i think it can be read as saying for just taking the job for not doing anything else this is from pc gamer which is a very reputable website a website i like to visit uh, and a a magazine i I used to like to read uh, when i read magazines uh, and they say in their subheading, that's a lot of shares, which is a good point, And it's one worth taking note of because anytime you see a headline like this where you're talking about let's say, a merger or an acquisition deal size or an executive compensation package, it's easy to just look at the top line number. It's $15 million kind of as a maximum proposition, but it's not $15 million as you or I would think about it. It's not this CFO signing on the dotted line and Activision writing a $15 million check and on their way they go. Uh, so let's take a look at what this article talks about. And ultimately, as part of this video, we're going to do a little bit deeper dive into the securities filings that Activision has made describing this deal. And we're going to talk about what it means, how restricted stock works, and also how it dovetails with the other major story Activision has been a part of this weekend. And one that I think is very important to kind of discuss so that people don't get in. Uh, a situation where they think more is happening than it really is, which I think is easy to do when only thumbing through headlines or just looking at subheadlines. And I don't think that's the fault of the media as much as it's just trying to get as much information as possible read by as many people in kind of soundbite or small-click form. Uh, so let's look at this article. Dennis Durkin, Activision Blizzard's new chief financial officer, is getting a bonus worth $15 million for taking the job. The award consists of $11.3 million of stock and an additional $3.7 million in funds. That's in addition to a $900,000 salary and a $1.3 million target bonus. Now, I think when we take a look at that paragraph, that's a pretty good description of what's happening here, but it's not maybe as fulsome as we'll see in the securities filing. It's important to break these things down into parts. So when we talk about what somebody's making as kind of an annual promise, we're really talking about the salary number, which is $900,000. Now, surely I'm not going to make $900,000 this year or maybe any year. I think most of the people that are listening to this podcast or watching this YouTube video are not going to make $900,000 this year or maybe over a series of years or their entire career. So it's a lot of money, and it's worth talking about. But when we talk about these kinds of things, it's useful to be as factually – Uh, significant as we possibly can. So it doesn't really make sense to necessarily talk about the full $15 million number, which as we can see here is inclusive of stock. It's inclusive of what we're going to see is restricted stock that could be lost if he leaves over certain timeframes or if he doesn't meet certain milestones. And so I think this is a lot of money and we're going to talk a little bit about why CFOs make as much money as they do as part of this video. Uh, But it's not that top line number, and I think it is always useful to kind of click through, figure out what's happening uh, so that if you're going to be outraged, if you are going to be concerned about the size of compensation or things like that, you are concerned and outraged about the right thing uh, so that you're better prepared to have that discussion with somebody who uh, potentially argues the point that this is too much money, which we're also going to get to. The next paragraph, the publisher's previous CFO, Spencer Newman, was fired after negotiating with Netflix, his new employer. Durkin, his replacement, was previously Activision Blizzard's CFO for five years. Blizzard also lost its CFO last week. So to unpack all of this, Activision has had a heck of a couple of weeks. So you see here their current CFO, which again is... Maybe arguably the most important person in the C-level executive suites of a major multinational corporation. The CFO is in charge of all the finances of a company, handling cash inflow, outflow, detailing the financial strategy, investment strategies, and that kind of thing. The CEO, who we usually think of as the the king or the godhead of a company, is the executive officer. They're in charge of kind of the visioning of the company, and that's a very important role as well. But the CFO is the down and dirty dollars guy. Uh, And certainly a lot can go right with a CFO and a lot can go wrong with a CFO. And you don't want your CFO shopping for new jobs, which is what Spencer Newman did and then got fired for cause in their SEC filings. That's what they state. They fired him for cause because he went shopping for a new job in breach of his contract. And so they had an opening. At the very same time, their major partner, the, the partner that gives them their name, also lost its CFO. And at the same time as that, Activision also had an executive suite that wasn't filled. And so the result of this last week was Activision moving around executives amongst many different roles and resetting a lot of their current management team. That's what they were looking at last week. And I think it's important to understand the geography of the situation a company finds itself in when you talk about whether they underpaid, overpaid, or otherwise when placing executives in their roles. You also see here... Durkin was previously at CFO for five years. CFO is a very difficult job. It's a very demanding job. It's a 24-7 type job. It's a job with a lot of people under you and a lot of people depending on you. And so I don't know the circumstances behind Durkin leaving uh, after his stint as CFO, but it's very possible he got uh, moved into a position he was more comfortable with, with one that he, we, he liked or preferred. And so in the face of spencer newman leaving activision was looking to find someone that could stabilize their stock price that could assure investors that things weren't going to change that much even though this looks as tumultuous as it can be and so durkin was sitting there with this previous experience hey you know him you love him he's back and so we're gonna pay him money to make sure that he comes over because in all likelihood he probably didn't want this job Uh, and so when you have that circumstance and it's valuable enough, and we're talking about stock prices of, of mega companies, then you, you pay what you need to do to get the man sitting in, in the seat that you need him to be in. Um, in the following paragraph, you see even more of the tumult that's been surrounding Activision this past couple weeks at the start of 2019. PC Gamer says, nice work if you can get it, uh, though the hire is happening at a tricky time for Activision Blizzard. Shares dropped late last year and reportedly... Blizzard employees are being paid to leave as part of cost-cutting measures. That was a Kotaku article, which is pretty interesting about how Activision has been putting pressure on Blizzard to reduce costs, Uh, and that may or may not be justified. Without kind of being on the inside of these boardroom meetings, it's easy to say, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. Uh, but maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they should. It's hard to, it's hard to know how much uh, extra fat is on productions, how much redundancies they've allowed for set periods of time. It's very easy to position Activision or any publisher as the big bad with the sack of money that makes people cut purse strings and things of that nature. And they very well might be. I'm not really here to say Activision isn't doing something that you maybe should be angry about. But it's very difficult to tell just from what somebody like Kotaku has reported on or the fact that Blizzard is cutting costs. Activision also was set to part with Bungie, as we talked about last week. And so in the face of all that, they hire uh, a new CFO. Uh, And we see the, the primary article for this was a Bloomberg article, which again is a very reputable site, talks a lot about business in all industries. This isn't limited to video games by any means. And they talk about the the sweetener that they offered to Dennis Durkin to make sure that he came. And sweetener is a term of art really used in business and law that talks about, hey, here's your main salary, here's what you can expect uh, to make, but because we wanna make it sweeter for you, we wanna make it a better deal. You can also expect these warrants or these stock options or these bonuses or these perks. And you see here, they describe it as 11.3 million of restricted stock tied to operating income and earnings per share targets. Uh, and we, we need to talk about that. So restricted stock is stock that can't be transferred. It can't be sold on the open market at, until certain things have been met. And in general, it's subject to vesting. Uh, here we see it tied to operating income and earnings per share targets, which means he's going to get the stock and then he's going to lose the stock if he doesn't hit certain metrics, if he doesn't hit certain numbers on the accounting tables that are going to be viewed as positive outcomes of his stint at the company. So when you see a PC Gamer headline that says, just for taking the job, yes, he got offered these things. These are top line items, because that's the deal that was agreed to, but it's essentially pre-agreeing to the bonus that you'll receive upon meeting these specific things. Uh, And without knowing more, it's hard to say whether it's a real bonus or whether it's a fake bonus in terms of you could set thresholds that are super easy to achieve. And so everybody expects him to make the money. Or you could set thresholds which are very difficult to achieve. So even he doesn't necessarily expect that he will make the money, except he knows that, hey, if the company doubles in value under my watch, I probably should have been paid more money than what you initially offered me in my salary. So it's not a matter of fairness. As much as it's a matter of properly describing what the compensation is, so he gets this $900,000 salary, which I think is pretty comparable to what people expect a CFO to make about a million dollars. And Fortune 500 companies, really big multinationals, can make 10 times that amount um, because of the role that they have, because of the seriousness of maintaining stock valuations and prices in the secondary market. But it is tied to actually meeting certain goals that we can't necessarily see the breadth of, uh, but we do know exist because of how they're described. Um, And so when we see uh, comments uh, like we see here from uh, like Jason Schreier of Kotaku, Uh, who I think is well-meaning on this, but he says, because he did the article on the Blizzard cutbacks, I wonder how the people at Blizzard who are worrying about layoffs and getting told to slash their budgets feel about this, as well as there's no better argument for unionization than Activision spends all of 2018 telling employees to cut costs, then gives $15 million bonus to new CFO. I I think he's well-meaning in this. I think he wants the video game industry to be a better place, and he wants uh, people to be compensated properly for what it is that they're doing for the company. But I don't think he's in a position to necessarily say whether uh, Mr. Durkin is making $15 million worth of value for the company. Certainly, the company thinks he is. And it's very easy on the outside to sit here and say, well, they're wrong. Uh, Except at the very same time that they're dealing with this, they're also dealing with all these other issues that we talked about, uh, including all of these open spaces in the executive branch, uh, all of these place, uh, open spots now with their intellectual property portfolio in general with Bungie leaving, these claims that are being made at the blizzard level that you see in variety of potential harassment and things within their company that are creating certain issues as well. And so one of the primary things that a corporate board is going to seek to achieve in that environment is stability, is is se- staying the course, getting the boat to stop rocking And certainly it is not unexpected at all for a board to look to the past, look to a CFO who had led them through some good times and was at very least a stability point for their company and saying, "Okay, what do we have to pay you to get you to change jobs, to move out of what you're currently doing? Because we know this is an ask and it's important because not only are we asking you right now and it's important to seat somebody here, but if it comes out that you said no. It's another data point of tumult in the Activision story, and that's going to be an even bigger problem for us. So the fact is Blizzard has its own budget, has its own people looking at what kind of money it's spending, whether it can fill the spots that it needs to fill to do the things in services and products that it wants to do, and at the Activision board level, the CFO position is important enough that you need to be able to pay them enough to come over and take this job and the other thing that i would add to that is the video game industry is not isolated Uh, when we talk about unionizing video gamers and i have no specific issue with unionization i have no specific issue with companies avoiding work uh setting up union shops i think each side should essentially have the freedom to organize the best leverage that they can for whatever position they're trying to take but when we talk about this it's not in a vacuum so if Dennis Durkin isn't getting paid $15 million because he's limited to a $1 million total compensation package under a collective bargaining agreement, then you're not competing with all the other people that are video game unionized. You're competing with General Electric, and you're competing with Google, and you're competing with all these other companies that maybe can pay him $15 million and maybe can pay him $25 million. So... One thing that really has to be examined, and I don't have the data set. I don't think anybody has the data set to really look at it right this second. But one thing that has to be examined is, you know, what kind of collective brain drain type setup could the industry set it up, set itself up for if it just starts capping the best and the brightest in their pay? Uh, every company is in the business of making money. It's make, in the business of making money for their shareholders. and so. If we want to keep these folks making money, if we want to keep these companies getting bigger, making more products, getting us more games, uh, then we really got to think about whether or not we want the the Durkins of the world, the other CFOs of the world, CEOs, COOs, to potentially go on to greener pastures in different industries. And I think that's a, a part of the story that isn't discussed very often. But I think it's an important one to discuss. And I'm not sitting here saying that I have the right answer. I think there are important questions to be asked, important discussions to be had on this. I just don't think that one should be as flippant as Jason is here in terms of saying this is obviously unfair this is obviously a bad move this there should obviously be anger or passion about this because I sit here and don't see that it could be the wrong step uh, but it certainly could be the right step based on what Activision was dealing with um, And I, I think just in order to kind of put a underline on the nature of the CFO role in modern uh, corporations, Uh, We see here, this is from 2015, but we see that CFOs, this article from the Wall Street Journal, they're outpacing their bosses in pay increases, the CEOs of the company. Uh, And they're getting paid at a lower level for the most part, still millions of dollars, even at the Fortune 500 level. But the, the CFO is in charge of everything about the money of the company, including but not limited to the securities filings. And so... One of the things that is the second part of this video slash podcast that we're going to talk about is the other major story that Activision has been dealing with, which is that on the Friday after the Bungie announcement was made, uh, we see... Call of Duty publisher Activision's shares fall on Destiny Departure. And When they say fall, usually you get a little bit more colorful description of what happens when shares do this for this amount of market capitalization, this big of a company. But you see here it says, Activision Blizzard shares dropped nearly 10% on Friday after the leading video game publisher announced a split with Destiny creator Bungie. The Call of Duty and World of Warcraft publisher has handed back publishing rights for first-person shooter game Destiny to Bungie. The split has been filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. We're going to dive into those filings in just a second. And Bungie will now hold and develop the Destiny franchise. And Activision will not benefit from the popular title in 2019. Now, that's a little bit reductive even there because what they actually filed was that they will not materially benefit. So I think there's still uh, potentially de minimis type returns slash operating revenue from Destiny. It's a little bit unclear at this point in time. But you can see the picture of what happened with Activision uh, in respect of the the, the Bungie drop-off. And the the first drop off there is at the end of the year, and the the second drop off there is the very last line when the when Bungie is lost. So they were recovering a little bit. Bungie is lost. And that's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, I think, even today. Uh, and I'm not sure if this article shows it right this second, but even today they had gained back a couple percent that I had seen uh, right before I started taping this video. Uh, so the market is a volatile thing, and they might have lost that already by the time that this video finally gets put on uh, YouTube or, or on the podcast that you're watching it on. But suffice it to say, it was a very bad day for Activision. And it's interesting in respect of what that's been... Uh, reported on in the media particularly the games media because something happens really to every company that has a bad day in the market in 2019 and very definitely in 2018 and 2017 which is that when you have a bad day on the market you get investigated for fraud uh, and I would add a musical stinger here if I had the capability. Uh, but suffice to say, you should think of this as very dramatic reading of the word fraud. And it's certainly been reported as such. You see Activision fraud investigation prompted by Bungie Breakup. Activision Blizzard reportedly under investigation for fraud. Law firm Pomerantz, LLP investigating Activision Blizzard employees. Uh, Activision Blizzard under investigation for fraud, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You see it discussed all along here. You see videos about it. You see it discussed on Reddit. You see it discussed on Reset Era. And I think there's a couple of things to unpack here, which are very important, which is why I hope you're watching slash listening to Virtual Legality. And that's the law of the whole thing, what we're actually looking at, what a private securities class action lawsuit really is. And so I think to get kind of a flavor for that, we should take a look at what's actually happening, what was actually announced on uh, January 11th in terms of what this law firm is doing. So we've got a, a press release. It's MarketWatch. This is a, a, essentially a website that uh, collates uh, all the various press releases that relate to any of the uh, traded public companies uh, on, their, on their exchanges. And it says uh, Pomerantz LLP uh, has announced that they are investigating claims on behalf of investors of Activision Blizzard. There, such investors are advised to contact the law firm. The investigation concerns whether Activision and certain of its officers and or directors have engaged in securities fraud or unlawful business practices. It says on January 11, 2019, the company disclosed that it would be separating from its design and development partner, Bungie Inc., and that Bungie will assume full publishing rights and responsibilities for the Destiny franchise. Bungie had developed the Destiny franchise with Activision as publisher. In the first five days of the Destiny franchise's release, it sold $325 million at retail. Following this announcement, Activision's stock price fell sharply during intraday trading on January 11th, 2019. So when we talk about what fraud is, or more specifically, when we talk about what investigated for fraud means, I think most people conjure up the notion of people in FBI jackets busting into lawyers' offices, busting into accounting offices with other people frantically trying to shred their paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. That's not at all what this means. This means that a law firm, which I will call a plaintiff's law firm because they generally specialize in working with plaintiffs on things like securities uh, claims, uh, has announced that they're going to investigate this company because they think there's a possibility that there might be a plaintiff out there that would be willing to sue uh, in order to try to get some of their money back. And in order to fully understand this a little bit better, I think it's important to look at the SEC filings that the company has made and the timing that kind of relates to these two things. Uh, So Activision Blizzard helpfully keeps a documentary record of the filings that it has electronically made with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now for those of you who don't know, What it means to be a publicly traded company is a couple of things, but for our purposes right here, it means that on a regular basis, you have to file informational documents with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission that tell people things, that tell the market things about how your company operates. So the regular thing that you have to file uh, are quarterly reports uh, and annual reports, but quarterly reports that talk about the entire nature uh, of your business. what investors can expect about how you're operating, what it is that you do, uh, what it is that uh, the financials of the company in this last quarter say about how you've done, how you're looking to do, what kind of things you're going to do with your business, who's running your business, things of that nature. And this is how investors learn about the company. This is how analysts analyze how a company is performing when you hear about quarterly reports and stock going up or down based on those reports. This is, for the most part, what people are talking about. There are also phone calls with analysts and things of that nature that happen at the same time or contemporaneously with these uh, reports. But this is how people get their information. And under the Securities Exchange Act, which is what established the Securities and Exchange Commission, there are essentially a number of rules. And one of the primary rules there is what we call Section 10B and rule 10b5 which was promulgated which is your fancy lawyer word for the day which means essentially made out of uh, or made under that section and that rule basically says that you are not permitted when making these reports or selling your securities to make statements that are false you can't lie or you can't make statements that otherwise omit facts that might make the statements that you are making that are otherwise true misleading and so what we've got for the last couple of decades really, but certainly in the last few years uh, specifically, is you've got people that make private claims against these kinds of records that are made on the basis that whatever cl- whatever statement was made by the company was either false, which is an easier claim to make. I mean, if somebody's lying about the revenues that they made, that's, that's an easier fraud case to make, or was misleading. So if we do a simple find here and we're looking for uh, the word bungee, there are only two places that it pops up. And in both places, this is the most recent report that Activision made, which was at the uh, start of November of last year. We see the exact same sentence. And this is how they describe their relationship with Bungie as of November of 2018. We have also established a long-term alliance with Bungie to publish its game universe, Destiny. Now, as we all know, that's not an incorrect statement. As of November 2018, they had established a long-term alliance with Bungie. We know it began in 2010. That was a contract we looked at uh, in some depth in our video last week. Please check it out if you're at all interested uh, to publish its game universe, Destiny. Now, we know that that was true at the time, and we also know that it changed. So that's the 10Q. That's right here. That's November 8th, 2018. You see a number of reports here that are statements of changes in beneficial ownership they have to report when insiders change their ownership in the company things of that nature those are pretty simple uh, we see on january 10th they filed a form 8k these are special forms that you have to file in order to notify the investor class the market about special things that might not, that are so important that you can't really wait till the next quarterly statement or the annual statement to be filed And we can see here that it's a pretty simple report, Form 8K. They have one sentence that they're adding to their regulatory disclosure. On January 10th, 2019, Activision Publishing, Inc., a wholly-owned subsidiary of Activision Blizzard, Inc., and Bungie, Inc., announced plans for Bungie to assume full publishing rights and responsibilities for the Destiny franchise. Going forward, Bungie will own and develop the franchise. As a result, the company does not expect to recognize material revenue, operating income, or operating loss from the Destiny franchise in 2019. So they file this on January 10th, 2019, a couple of months after they filed that quarterly report. And you then see what we just talked about, which is the dive in the company uh, stock price. And then at that same time, really the next day, you see a plaintiff's law firm come out and say, Hey. Did you lose money in that Activision deal? Are you interested in potentially suing? Call us. We'll figure out whether you've got a case and what to do about it because we're investigating this thing. So they don't have any special powers. They don't have FBI jackets. They're not busting into Activision's uh, doorway. They are investigating them in the truest sense of the word for fraud. But it's not how I think people in general think of being investigated for fraud when you're talking about maybe politicians or you're talking about... Uh, the government making these types of investigations. If you have a headline that says the SEC is investigating you for fraud or something along those lines, that's a different bailiwick. And I think that it's easy to get confused on that score and it's easy for people to make uh, maybe not a mountain out of a molehill, but at least a a slightly larger hill out of a slightly smaller hill. I, I think it's worth noting that this has happened. But I think it's also worth kind of noting that really because of the way the uh, the law works and we can talk about the actual legal terminology here we can talk about how private securities litigation is handled under the law because of the way that the law works it makes every bit of sense for plaintiff's firms which specialize in exactly this kind of action to go and seek out plaintiffs for any bad thing that happens to a company. That is relatively unexpected and has a significant deleterious effect on the stock price of a publicly traded company, which is to say more and more in 2017, in 2018, and 2019, we're seeing what is called event-driven securities fraud complaints, which is rather than saying, hey, you lied about your revenue numbers, rather than saying, hey, you lied about X, Y, or Z uh, on your securities filings, you basically state that, well, you underdisclosed. Or you said something that was at least a little bit misleading. And so in November of last year, did you know something was up with Bungie? Did you know something was up with Destiny? Surely you knew something was up with Bungie and Destiny before January 10th. When did you know? Should you have filed earlier? And you can ask these questions and you can potentially find a plaintiff that's going to bring these claims. And the reason it makes so much sense for a law firm to do that under the current way the law is written is because... The 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 counsel for the lead plaintiffs in one of these actions are the ones that are set to make the most money. So I don't know if uh, many of you have invested in companies, but if you have, probably every once in a while, you get a little... Report from one of the companies that you're invested in that says, hey, you're part of a class action because somebody has brought a claim like this and you're entitled to, uh, you know, whatever, $10 a share if you held it for a period between two years, seven years ago, or whatever time frame it takes to wind up getting one of these things settled. Uh, the, The way securities litigation generally works is the lawyers get paid for the most part before all else. And that's why it makes so much more sense for these lawyers to start trying to seek out a lead plaintiff at the start, because this law, which was passed, uh, I believe in the mid nineties, the private security litigation reform bills uh, basically makes all of the cases get consolidated. So you see here, and I've got it uh, highlighted, uh, appointment of lead plaintiff is really what we're talking about here. Uh, And it says essentially you can file a complaint, but rather than that person just being the lead plaintiff it's not just the first to the courthouse that gets the filed complaint after you file that complaint you have to notify essentially the world that you filed a complaint and then that has to be held open for 60 days everybody else has to get the chance to say hey maybe i'm a better lead plaintiff or more specifically there are other plaintiffs firms that maybe try to find a better lead plaintiff because at the end of this period actually after at the end of 90 day period so roughly four months after the start of the whole thing The court is going to appoint a lead plaintiff. Again, the defendant doesn't have any say in this. So the way this process works is all these plaintiff law firms, all these prospective lead plaintiffs, they fight over who's going to be the best lead plaintiff. And the court gets to decide once everybody is in and once everybody has said, hey, I want to be lead plaintiff. And they make that determination based on uh, whether they filed the complaint, whether they made a motion that they wanted to be lead plaintiff who has the largest financial interest in what the class is going to be. And then this here otherwise satisfies the rules of 23 of federal rules of civil procedure. That means whether they make a good representative for a class, which is a like situated group of people. And again, the main prize here is that a law firm that wins this, that their, their guy is the lead plaintiff and there is going to be some import given to the first to the courthouse, that they're the folks that filed the complaint, they're the first, they're the people that got this whole ball rolling, that if they get the ball rolling and if they're picked as lead plaintiff, then the lawyers are going to make something like 30, 35, 40% of the total recovery if uh, Activision or whoever doesn't actually get the case thrown out of court. Because uh, nine times out of 10, these things will get settled if The motion to dismiss uh, winds up going against the the company that seeks it. So that's, that's kind of the geography around what we're talking about here. So Activision is being investigated for fraud. I'm not really decrying anybody describing it as that, except that I think additional context can be offered that when we talk about investigated for fraud, I could turn around and investigate my neighbor for fraud right now. You could investigate me for fraud just for listening to this YouTube video slash podcast. Uh, And it really doesn't say anything. Uh, Just like we talk about on our previous videos, we've talked about on Help Us Out Hoag with Easy Allies. You can sue anybody you want. The question is always whether it'll get kicked out of court real easily or not. Uh, And in the same way, you can investigate anybody for fraud or not. This firm is going to seek out a prospective plaintiff to potentially sue on this. They might find one, they might not. And so I don't view this as anything in particular that Activision has done wrong on this point in time, uh, because that sentence maybe could have said something about uh, re-examining the Bungie relationship, uh, but I don't know that it was entirely necessary. Uh, So it's a matter for the courts to determine if it gets that far. Uh, But it's not anything specifically uh, problematic or criminal or that should be looked at askance uh, sitting here right now today. And the reason I tied these two topics together is, as I briefly mentioned earlier in this video, all of these are really based on the reporting made under the securities laws in those securities filings, and. These complaints that are made against Activision are the same as the complaints made against any other company that has a bad day, whether that's a security breach for data loss, uh, an environmental spill or anything else that lowers their stock price in a very rapid fashion. Uh, And it's a complaint that says, essentially, the records that you filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission, the job that you have done, making sure that the market is properly informed of your securities valuation and your company operations wasn't done correctly. And again. You know who the person is that is in charge of making those filings correct? It's the CFO. And so when we talk about what's a valuable role, when we talk about what somebody is worth, I tend to yield to the folks that are in charge of the bundles of money, that are trying to figure out how to retain those bundles of money, how to make those bundles bigger. And certainly no one can accuse Activision of not being able to make those bundles of money bigger over the last say, 15 years of video game history. So they want to make those bundles bigger. And yes, it's for their investors and not so much for what could be deemed cost centers at the development level. But I think it's fair to say that CFO Dennis Durkin is being brought in to stabilize the stock price, to answer potential securities inquiries, and to make really, really sure That the records that are filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission, that the calls that are made, that the discussions that are had are as accurate as they can be so that Activision doesn't find itself on the wrong end of a $500 million or $1 billion lawsuit, which mostly lines the pockets of a plaintiff's law firm that is just looking to make somebody pay for its own ends. Uh, And so that's really the nature of this video. I just wanted to talk about Activision a little bit uh, because I think it's well within everybody's rights to say, hey... Maybe Activision isn't doing the right thing here. Maybe they aren't doing the best thing. But I don't think that is at all a conclusion that is uh, obvious or, or necessary solely from what we are seeing in respect of Activision this weekend. I think they're taking the normal steps that a corporation can be expected to take in the face of what is uh, an almost uh, ridiculous amount of change at the corporate level, uh, not the least of which is related to one of their plank pillar uh, intellectual properties and in, in letting Bungie go. And I think that it's a little bit unfair to say, hey, they shouldn't have paid this guy this much money because we just don't know what his alternatives were. We don't know what the alternative to them was of putting this person in this role. And certainly if it took another day, if it took another two days, if it took another three days, if there's a no from him on the books, what what does that Activision stock price do? And then at that point in time, is the board responsible are there fiduciary duties that are being violated at their level and certainly if there's anything i know about boards of directors they are very risk averse in terms of their own exposure in terms of their own liability and while mr durkin might have been the easy choice to fill the role that was recently vacated Uh, It's very likely that on this time frame and in the face of the Bungie announcement He was uh, the fastest, most available, and most necessary choice Uh, If we look at those securities filings again, we see how close in time They all are. There's three 8Ks within four days because they wanted to get those spots in the executive offices filled because they knew that Bungie report was coming. They knew this was going to happen anyway, and they wanted to make sure it didn't all happen at once, and it didn't happen when they still had major, major roles to fill at their corporate level. Uh, So that's my two cents on the Activision situation on their potential fraud claims and investigation and on the prices that they have paid for their chief financial officer and presumably their other executive officers that'll also come out uh, in the next couple weeks. Uh, If you like this video, please like, please subscribe to this channel. I am always, always, always welcome of feedback and comments, so please submit those. Please tell me how bad a job I did or what you disagree with or how Activision is the devil. I welcome even those as well. I, I can always improve this and I like having those conversations on these topics. So please do uh, check out the channel. I am now available. I think this will be the first announcement of this because I'm going to put it up later. I'm now available, uh, the audio for these videos on podcasts at uh, uh, Apple iTunes, at Spotify, at Google Music, uh, and I'm looking at a couple of other places as well. Still getting into uh, that uh, corner of the world on these types of things, but I have been told by a few people that they'd like to be able to just click on the podcast, so I am doing that. Uh, And that's all I really have for today. Again, if you've got any comments and feedback, let me know. Or if you've got any other ideas for other episodes of Virtually Galley or anything you'd just like to see me talk about, please let me know that as well. And thank you so much for watching.